1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on 630 Chad. So the Oilers set a 23-man roster today. They will play Vancouver on Wednesday in the first game of the regular season. Get more on that on 630chad.com globalnews.ca. Also, the Edmonton Elks will go with Taylor Cornelius at quarterback on Friday against Winnipeg. Reed Wilkins with you. We have a best of edition tonight, and this is a great story here. Uh, recently, I talked to Justin Rayner, who posted a picture on Twitter of him skating. Now, what is so special about that? A guy skating in Canada? Well, in Justin's case, it's very significant. Here's the story. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show. I, I think we're going to have a really good chat here. I, uh, I, I I was not following you on Twitter until uh, within the last 24 hours, and uh, you have a pretty fun Twitter account. <laughs> and uh i think people are going to enjoy hearing from you because uh, you know first of the, the first line in your twitter bio is hockey player turned quadriplegic lol um the <laughs> quadriplegic is not a word a lot of people would laugh out loud at justin tell us about the decision to to throw that in there
0: yeah i don't know i just kind of developed the dark sense of humor over the years of dealing with the injury and uh you got to laugh at yourself, right? You got to keep going forward. And uh, that's just how I chose to uh, to deal with uh, one part of that.
1: Okay. So let, let's go back to December 2nd, 2004, just to, to kind of introduce you to people who maybe don't know your story or reintroduce you to people who maybe have seen some of the media about you in the past. Uh, what what happened that night in December of 2004?
0: Yeah, so I was a Bantam hockey player in uh, southern Saskatchewan playing for Cabri Bulldogs at the time. We were in Hodgeville, and uh, I ended up getting on a breakaway and um, kind of just uh, went down the ice full speed and tried to deke out the goalie and kind of lost my balance while I was shooting and chose to shoot instead of watching where I was falling, and I watched the puck instead of putting my hands up, and I went headfirst into the boards behind the net, unfortunately. And... Were you aware immediately
1: something was wrong or were you knocked out or what was the sensation sort of as the injury happened?
0: Yeah, no, basically like I looked back at the boards, like right before I hit and I was like, Oh man, this is going to hurt. I'm probably going to be winded. Like a lot of hockey players have hit the boards before and you bounce off and you can't breathe for 30, 40 seconds. And that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. And uh, as soon as I hit the boards, I opened my eyes and I was like, "Oh, this is not right. Like, everything from the chin down just went numb and it was throbbing and my body kind of felt like an accordion going in and out a little bit. So yeah, I definitely knew something, uh, bad had happened. (laughs) Yeah. What
1: were the subsequent weeks? Like, were you even, um, I mean, obviously this was an incredibly serious injury. Were you conscious of the, the initial recovery? Were you sort of aware of what was happening or were you hospitalized and maybe, Uh, You know, I I assume because of your condition, there would have been a lot of medication involved. What were the weeks that followed like?
0: Yeah, so um, that night in Hodgeville, I I was on the ice for an hour and a half waiting for an ambulance from uh, Swift Current to come. Then they took me to Swift Current Hospital, um, stabilized me for about five hours, and then they put me on a plane to Regina, an area ambulance. Uh, And then I was in Regina uh, General Hospital for about five months after that. Um, and like the first couple of days I was aware I wasn't allowed to drink anything. So like they would dip like a little straw, uh, like a foam thing in water. And I would suck on that. Um, that was like the only water I, I could drink, um, stuff like that. And then, uh, like four or five days in, they did, uh, the fusion surgery on my neck. And then for about two weeks, two and a half weeks after that, I was in a, uh, medically induced coma just to, uh, allow the, the healing process to kind of start
1: so you know a, as a teenager once you and i know there was a, a long recovery process but who who helped you through that i i imagine there was a huge mental and attitude adjustment somewhere along the way who how did you get through those steps
0: yeah, it was a combination of a lot of things. Obviously, my family, my mom, my dad, um, my stepmom, my stepdad, my brothers and sisters, um, friends coming up to visit all the time. And then obviously the hockey community. Um, I had so many awesome guys come visit me. Josh Harding, Ryan Smith came to visit me when uh he was back in Moose Jaw visiting family. Um, cause this is of course the lockout year. Um, so a lot of guys were available to come visit and uh that really boosted my spirits a lot as a 13 year old so so it was a combination of a lot of people um and then further along in the journey as you go like the closer you get to going to rehab you start meeting guys in chairs and uh i i met a bunch of guys that were like paralympians and just guys that were really getting on with their life and and living it to the fullest that that really showed me that life can go on
1: all right. well and, and I want to talk to you about some of the things you you are doing in in your life currently. for sure. but, but before we maybe dive into that, I, I do want to ask about something very specific and you posted something on Twitter last night. I, I saw it while I was hosting inside sports. so it would have been about 23, 24 hours ago you threw this up. Uh, there's some well look, I've retweeted really the video. I'm sure I'll let you tell the story. what what happened? what tell me about this you being in skates?
0: Yeah, so basically I hadn't looked at that pair of skates since the night I got hurt, obviously. That was the last time I saw uh, those that particular pair of skates in, uh, what, 16 years. And uh, I got the opportunity to go out on the ice here in Regina. Uh, last winter, um, First Steps and the U of R uh, hockey team put on a uh, let's have a go day kind of thing. And um, First Steps Wellness Center here in Regina has the equipment which you saw me in it's got like the sling and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just went for it. Well, I didn't just go for it. It took some convincing obviously from, from friends and stuff saying, go for it. But, uh, once I got out there, man, you can tell in the video, I just have a giant smile on my face and, uh, it was, it was really healing for me, really emotional. I had a good cry at the edge of the rink before going out. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah. A base. And those are,
0: those were your same skates you wore when you were playing Bantam. That's the, that's the exact same pair. Took them out of my hockey bag and uh took them to the sharpener. Almost had to get new blades on them because they were rusted out and uh yeah, strapped them on and went out there. <laughs> I'm sure they smelled great, eh? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah, you can imagine 16 years sitting there festering in sweat and in the hockey yeah. bag. Yeah, yeah. most they, they were pretty terrible. I'm not usually
1: usually 16 minutes in a hockey bag is uh is enough to yep. get pretty rank. So uh, you know, watching your video and, and like I said, you know, you are a quadriplegic, but it was there do you have like kind of uh as you're doing that, is there some movement? Is there some sensation like um what 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 can you sort of do right now?
0: Yeah, so I was I was very fortunate after my injury to um start to gain a lot of movement back. Um at first the doctor told me that I was never gonna move a muscle again below my chin, basically. Um he said I would probably be on a ventilator the rest of my life and a feed tube the rest of my life. And um, after the, uh, the swelling and, and the healing process started to take place, I started to get a little bit of movement back here and there. And um, now I can move both my arms a little bit. I've got some good finger movement in my right hand. Uh, I can move both my legs. I got some good toe wiggling in my... Uh, Right foot and yeah, so I mean, not enough to really do much with in in all four limbs, but it's better than nothing.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you're right. And again, watching the video, I can tell. I, I know you're on skates and and uh, you, you're in that sling device you described, but I can yeah. see your your arms moving and I see you sliding your, your feet back a little bit. So
0: uh, yeah, that was that was pretty tough to. I had to keep lifting up my foot because the ice kind of felt sticky and like wherever my skates were pointed, that's where my feet were going. So. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't right. really move my ankles much to to guide it. So I had to keep picking up my foot to readjust.
1: Yeah. Right on. Well, good for you for doing that. It, it is pretty emotional video. And again, I I've uh, uh, I've tweeted it out and people can follow you on Twitter at uh, wheel. How do you say that wheels? wheels
0: akaj yeah
1: okay there you go or they can just look up Justin Rainer, Rayner, r a y n e r on uh, twitter as well to give you a follow so i mean you uh, d- despite having you know your life derailed like you've told the story you've lived a very interesting and very fulfilling hockey life that you're still in the process of doing yep and uh, you are a scout for the Moose Jaw Warriors tell tell us how you got into that and uh and what your schedule is is i guess Your schedule would have been different this past year, but during a quote unquote normal year, what's
0: your schedule's like? Yeah, for sure. So um, basically for the first like three, four years after my injury, I didn't really like hockey that much. Um, (laughs) And it's not that I didn't like the game. I was just extremely jealous and and envious of people like being able to play the game that I love so much. And uh, yeah, so like I didn't really go to the rink much the first couple years um but after that like the pain kind of subsides and, and you start getting the bug back and um i started out just scouting with buddies from home and uh i took it a little more seriously than them and i i started writing reports and whatnot and uh my uh best friend his mom works works in the administrative office of the moose jaw warriors so i bugged him for probably five years straight to get me an interview with the gm and uh and she finally uh, got me in there and, and the rest is history and that's how i became a scout with the moose jaw warriors
1: all right so are you traveling a lot what what does your schedule usually involve and what level of players are you looking at
0: yeah i don't i don't travel too much i kind of just stay around the regina area um but it's a lot of uh i'm i do a lot of uh, whl scouting for the team so i'm watching teams that come in to play regina and doing reports on guys that we would potentially be looking at for trades or um Uh, up until this past year, it was a lot of guys that would be playing for the, um, team Canada teams because Alan Miller is our GM and he's, he's in the program of excellence. So I'd be looking at a lot of players for under 18 teams and, uh, things like that. So, okay.
1: What do you might, what do you like most about that job? What do you find most fulfilling
0: about it? I don't know. It's, uh, well, I get to watch hockey for free, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a dream job of a lot of people, right? Um Yeah, I don't know. Um, I like breaking down players' games, uh kind of dissecting them and uh trying to f- trying to find a uh diamond in the rough basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. For sure. It's kind of, It's kind of like an adventure. Um you're looking you're hunting for treasure at the rink. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So how long have you been with the Warriors now? I'm um, going into, I think, my sixth season, sixth, sixth season, season okay. maybe. So you, yeah, so, so you, I can't really remember. I haven't been at the rink for a while with COVID. so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. But
1: it's I, I mean, this is it, this is a, a career for you. This isn't I'm going to try it for a year or two now. I mean, it's
0: become your career, which is pretty cool. Yeah, they, they haven't let me go yet, so I'm, I must be doing something right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the reports are coming in on time. Yeah, 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 that's it. Justin Rader joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, also, uh, and I'm going off your Twitter bio again for this one, and you're going to have to help me here because I, I don't know uh, much about this side of the, the gaming world. You say that you are a competitive EA Sports NHL goalie for yep. Adherence NHL. Yep. so it, is this the competitive video gaming what's going on here
0: yeah that's uh that's nhl esports so basically uh you get a team of six guys together and you match up against another group of six guys and battle it out on the virtual ice <laughs> how would you get involved in this um so my buddies kind of convinced me to buy nhl a couple years ago and i was like dude like i can't really like play whatever my hands are all like messed up and I'm not going to be able to hit the buttons fast enough to enjoy it. And I'm not going to be good and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they got me in there and I was right. I was absolutely atrocious at skater. Um, I can't, I can't play forward or defense to save my life on that game, but um, they threw me a net and uh, I just blossomed in there and, and I've slowly worked my way up the ranks to, to become a, a top level competitor.
1: Okay. So are you, are you on a team with people, you know, personally, or are these people, people you only have an online relationship with
0: yeah i've n- i've never met a single one of my teammates <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay and you're in playing, person right online or maybe zoom or whatever so yep. do you, do you, so do you practice do you discuss strategies i mean how does it work
0: when you're on an Yeah, esports team? so basically when you're on an eSports team you'll have a team discord and uh they'll have different categories in there like the team that i just joined for a new tournament coming up um they've got different sections in the discord for the power play the penalty kill breakouts how to dump it in um, how to cycle all sorts of stuff so we're always going over strategies and, and scrimming other top teams and just trying to get better trying to learn how to read the plays against different teams and things so, like
1: that so, okay so what's the ultimate is there like are there different tiers of teams are can you win money if you're really good how does this work
0: yeah, there are definitely different uh, tiers of teams, and the top teams do make money playing this. Um, so the top teams are your Olympias, your entourages, teams like that. Um, there, There's probably like five to seven teams that, that can win a tournament in North America right now just because of the skill level of those teams. Um, and then you got another tier below that of maybe 10 to 12 teams, and then another tier below that of probably like 30 teams. To make up like a top fifty-ish,
1: and, and I mean, are you guys a, and you, are you guys a top fifty team now or, or top?
0: Yeah, we we are. We're probably in the well, we're in that third tier, but we're working our way up. <laughs> yeah, well, but I assume there's thousands of teams. Oh yeah, there. Yeah, not at the esports level. There's probably probably like I don't know, really really good esports teams. There's probably like ten of them, but okay.
1: All right. Well, that's uh, that's incredible. That's that's cool that you're doing that as well. Justin Rayner joining us tonight on uh, on Insights Force. So, Justin, you know, and again, people can they're hearing this interview. They they can look you up and read about your story as well. You're pretty open about uh, everything that happened with your injury and with your journey. Uh, how come? Did, like, was it ever something you thought I'm I'm just never gonna gonna talk about it? What prompted you to just kind of be just be open about everything
0: yeah I don't know Um, I don't know what really prompted me to be open about it but uh, like living in the hospital for two years I saw like I saw the two paths you could really take like there was one you stay in your room and and you're depressed all the time and you aren't living life and the other one was getting back out in the world and being confident and and getting on with life and uh, I just one day I kind of woke up and just chose to to move forward and I wanted, to uh, I wanted to live a fulfilling life again after the injury. So,
1: and do you ever meet, uh, you know, kids uh, around the age you were, who, who have suffered injuries? Have you sort of become, uh, a mentor and an
0: inspiration? you probably don't see yourself that way, but you, you, you become an inspiration <laughs> to other people. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, tr- I try to, uh, anytime I hear about a new injury or whatever, I try to try to reach out and, and just let them know I'm there. If, if the time ever comes, they want to reach out and get together or whatever, or chat about anything. So.
1: Well, good for you, Justin. Uh, Good for you for being on blades yesterday. That was pretty cool. Thanks for sharing that video. And thanks for sharing your story tonight. You you got an interesting life and you're doing great things in a lot of different areas. So good for you. You're welcome on the show. Anytime, man.
0: Hey, thanks Rita. I appreciate it.
1: That is Justin Rayner. Man, what an inspiration. That was so cool to have him on the show. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Here's what we have coming up this week for live sports here on 630 Chad. The Oilers season opener is Wednesday at 8. Our coverage will start with the City Ford face-off show at 6. The Elks back home to take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that is on Friday. Countdown to kickoff will be at 5:30. The game will be at 7 Taylor Cornelius will be your starting quarterback as head coach J.B. Elizondo decides to make a change and pull out Trevor Harris. And then on Saturday, we have the Oilers home to the Calgary Flames, 6.30 face-off show, and that game will start at 8 o'clock. Three-game homestand here for the Oilers next Tuesday. They're going to be taking on the Anaheim Ducks. Holiday Monday, so we have a best-of edition. And, man, oh, man, we've had some good stuff for you here. You've heard from Nugent Hopkins on his uh, career as a uh, owner of racehorses. Pete Peters, Ricky Ray, Justin Rayner have all checked in. And we are going to get to know a very, very special man when we come back after the 730 News, Chief Willie Littlechild, coming up. Hey, good to have you tuning in tonight. It's the best of Inside Sports on 6:30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. September 30th was the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, and I was pleased to speak with Chief Willie Littlechild. Chief Willie Littlechild, sir, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Reed? I'm doing very well. Thank you for coming on the show. I, I know we spoke briefly earlier today, and uh, and I've seen some of your activities traced in social media and on the news today. So I know it's been a very uh, a very busy day, Willie. I'm I'm going to start here. Um, you know, I can go to the Government of Canada website and I can read that today honors lost children and survivors of residential schools, and that it's a public commemoration of the tragic and painful history of the ongoing impacts of residential schools. I, I can read that, but I feel like I, I'm not sure if that really gets it to to sink into my my skin for me. How how do you describe National Day for Truth and Reconciliation to people?
2: Well, it's um, it's one of mixed emotion. First of all, if I could say that, uh, read one is uh, I'm very very happy that one of our calls to action is actually being implemented across Canada. Uh, secondly, it's very emotional for me, having been as you say, a residential school student for 14 years in three different uh, institutions. And a little bit sad with uh, still the denial that uh, exists, although um, I know this is the very first one, and it's a signal of a new era, I think, new energy. So it's really one of... Uh, Mixed emotion that I can't put into uh, one liner. I guess in terms of how would I explain it? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that you were 14 years in
1: a residential school. It's there have been so many tragic stories about uh, the graves being found in in recent months. How would you describe people looking back on your childhood life in a residential school? Like, was it just a a joyless childhood what were things that that gave you hope and joy at that time in your life can kid you mind taking us back there a bit
2: I, I will uh, read actually I was taken to the residential school when I was six years old although the law uh, required it to be seven so I was taken a little bit earlier uh, only one year but still earlier in breach of the law I think Um, to a situation where I'm coming from a family, my grandparents raising me, my grandpa couldn't speak English, couldn't write English. uh, My grandmother could. And uh, uh, going into an institution, residential school where I could only speak Cree. I didn't know English or French or any other language. Uh, So from that point on, it's uh, initially a shock in terms of um, the environment and then to be with uh, a whole lot of other children. Uh, sometimes they call the September crying month because that's when we were rounded up and indeed that's what you heard many times throughout the night is little children crying in the dorm. Uh, but if you... Fast forward to uh, past the abuses that I went through, like a lot of uh, students have talked about the uh, physical and mental and spiritual, cultural, sexual abuse. Went through all of that, um, but I don't dwell on that. I like to think about more the positive Aspect of it, not to downplay by any means or to insult anyone uh, that has uh, a negative experience. I've said a couple of times in public that sports saved my life, especially hockey. Hockey saved my life. And I say that because I used to run away from the abuse and run towards hockey. <laughs> um, Friday nights when movies were on for for the whole school, I would sneak out, put skates on, and skate by myself in the dark until the movie was just about finished and go back and pretend I was just watching the whole movie myself. So I, um, I got through it, I think, um, still with a lot of pain, but nevertheless, I like to think that I... Uh, learned not only discipline but that the power of sport in situations like that were the power of sport for me and uh, many others actually talked about it through our hearings and uh, recalling that we heard approximately 7,000 oral testimonies. Many of the speaker said that was if it wasn't for sported they wouldn't have been there. Uh, so it's um, um, rough beginning in a sense. Your name is taken away from you. It's replaced with a number. My number was 65 for the first schools eleven years. And one wonders what happens to a child when you do that to them. What happens to the parents when you take away their children like that? Uh, many times I couldn't go home all year uh, because my, like I said, my grandparents, um, had been uh, taking care of me at the time. So. Um, In spite of all of that, what happened to me and others, I still think about the positive side in terms of you can still succeed, you can still pursue excellence, you can still try your hardest at whatever vocation you want to pursue, uh, but it's not easy. It's not easy, but it, it can be done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, you're you're a testament to that, and and thank you for for sharing that, and uh, and and I'll kind of echo what you said. We we are not certainly downplaying the uh, the abuses that you faced and so many other young Indigenous uh, Canadians faced in the residential schools, but you did give us a great line there that sports saved your life and that there are things to celebrate about being an athlete and being involved in a team and and being physically active and all those types of things. And and I think we want to recognize that part of your life uh, as well. Uh, Willie, what kind of a hockey player were you as a, as a kid? Were you uh, a speedy little scorer? Were you a bruiser? What were you like when you played?
2: Well, I started very late actually. I, I, I didn't, um, uh, I wasn't good enough for the school team until I was a midget. Back then, midgets was a um, a category uh, after bantams, a uh, category called midgets. Um, but because I was sneaking out at night, I think, Reed, I was able to skate uh, pretty fast, I would say, because when I was playing for the Bears, we would always, um, Coach Drake would, we uh, have us skate pretty hard uh, and sometimes um, timing us both directions around the, around the ring and so on with and without the puck. And I, I did pretty good, I think in, in, in that aspect, but, but I wasn't big. I was um, too small to play defense, and that's all I had played from midget to college. When I got to university, I couldn't move the big guys. So Coach Drake put me on a weight training program one summer and said, I want you back here by by next season at least at 170. <laughs> so I lifted weights, and um, second assessment was, Willie, I think you better play forward. <laughs> so I, I, I moved up to forward and enjoyed um, uh, learning about the tradition of the University of Alberta. Golden Bears hockey team in terms of a uh, a saying that um, is on the wall of the arena, but he actually used to tell us this all the time. It's amazing what can be done when no one cares who gets the credit. And I kind of put that into today's context. It's amazing what's been happening in Canada today from coast to coast to coast in terms of people coming out and celebrating with us some um, reflecting on the the past negative aspects of our history, but uh, the main thing is that uh, we're all seeming to be wanting to reach the path of uh, restoring respectful relationships and having good relationships. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was a little bit late tonight um, because there was a march in the city of Wetaskwin the most mispronounced name in Canada. It's Wetaskiwin, and that's a Cree word that means having good relations. And uh, I think to see our country, our province move towards that direction with us uh, is just heartwarming and it's worth all the pain and hours that we put into the work of listening to the survivors of their lived experiences, the most horrific, horrific stories of abuse in some cases, read as you know, but in others, um, they, they broke through it, and uh, um, sometimes... Um, we say I'm not a survivor I'm a thriver um, so if you had a, a real positive mental attitude to put up with whatever it was that was being thrown at you uh, you could become a thriver um, and at the Hockey Hall of Fame when I was there was a little feature there in Toronto I said well wouldn't it would How how does this sound? I can't even believe it myself. From residential school to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and now to Canada's Sports Hall of Fame. It's just unbelievable. Uh, uh, In spite, as I say, of what has been done to us as children, you can still um, um, succeed.
1: Yeah, well, and your, uh, I mean, your accomplishments and, and, and accolades, uh, we, we could spend a whole show listing them, Chief Littlechild. That's absolutely amazing what you have accomplished. I, I do want to hit on a, on a couple of other things, and, and thank you again so much for being so generous with your time. Uh, you are uh, a part of the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation, which are uh, working with Indigenous communities in Alberta. Uh, they had a hockey is for everyone 50 50 night with proceeds going to right to play in spirit North and uh, some further work. I understand this season for uh, an indigenous hockey Academy, I believe what's, what's the story here, Willie?
2: The idea of having a, an indigenous hockey Academy has, uh, actually goes to back, back to my days when I was coaching junior junior hockey, I, I tried to do, um, a hockey Academy, um, and then uh, the team folded and moved into the junior A uh, division of hockey in Alberta. Um, and then later on, um, the thought of having an academy like those that exist around, um, around the province and around the world, actually, at least in the snow countries, of um, uh, the idea of bringing children together in an academic setting and using hockey to motivate them um, is a win-win situation. And uh, groups have have started uh, hockey academies here in Alberta as well. And um, for three years, I think now, when I think back to the Edmonton, uh Oilers Community Foundation. Uh, that discussion has been on uh, to have one in Edmonton, and then maybe have one in Enoch, um, which is close to the city, and you can do both the um, the school and also the the um, playing the game. So uh, for us. Um, I think that's a big solution to a lot of our challenges. Read to, to, for example, the early dropout rates—95% at some points—of dropping out um, before or during high school because you didn't have an alternative positive activity to turn to, and that's where the crime starts to happen. But if you're engaged in a hockey team or a sports team, uh, that time is taken by that activity and uh, really changes your path in life, I think. So, yes, we are talking about Hockey at a hockey Academy um, at the uh, Community Foundation um, because of its Positives, and uh, we have people interested in working with us on that project because it's what it that's what it takes. Um, so I'm looking forward to it myself. I I'm coming to the end of my term with the foundation, but with this coming on board, I'll certainly want to be um, a, a spectator at least in the stands, even uh, watching. Uh, young students playing
1: hockey chief little child just one more before i i let you go and i am so grateful that uh, all, all the time you're giving us tonight um what does it mean do you think to see ethan bear play in the nhl you know first for the oilers he was traded to to carolina obviously grew up in saskatchewan what what does a player like ethan bear mean
2: well it means a lot um as a matter of fact, if you recall, Reed, one night they had his jersey in Cree syllabics um, um, instead of in English, and uh, people asked me what that means. It means it means courage and strength. It's, um, when the, you know, the animal, brother, the bear, uh, that's what muskwa uh, means to us, that's the courage and, uh, and uh, strength. So... With that connection, uh, linguistically and spiritually and physically, the mental element of uh, uh, role modeling uh, enters the picture, and a lot of young people uh, look towards uh, watching him play. One want, wanted to be like him, so as a role model, he uh, he did his best here in Edmonton, and unfortunately. Um, He's moved on to a different location, but then there's others as well with White Cloud in Las Vegas. The young people really look up to them as role models. Uh, Fortunately, in my family, um, I'm really blessed because uh, uh, my brothers um, uh, all played hockey at the in fact, one of them scored the winning goal for the Edmonton Ola Kings when they won the Memorial Cup. Another one was one of the first Canadians to go to Europe and play hockey with a world record with three fastest goals in hockey at 20 seconds. Another one that started uh, in Los Angeles when they were called the Blades. Um, and then three nephews that played in a German uh, Division One league who just retired now Uh, after playing pro for 12 years in Europe. So um, it's kind of a hockey family, I would say, I guess. Um, So it's easy for me to spot when I watch the young people uh, looking at role models like Bear um, um, because it's a dream for them, I'm sure, when they're watching him play that maybe they could be the next... um,
1: a hockey player as well yeah well said chief willie Littlechild. again thank you so much for coming on on inside sports uh, i mean you've had such an incredible life and career and you brought us such great perspective tonight i do hope we can talk again someday and i know this has been a busy day for you so thanks for making inside sports and our audience a part of it all the best sir and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll run into you at the rink at some point this season
2: I hope so, too, and thank you very much, and uh, keep up the fantastic work you do.
1: Okay, big week ahead. We got the Oilers' home opener Wednesday. We got an Elks game at home against the Bombers on Friday. This was a best-of edition of Inside Sports. You heard from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Chief Willie Littlechild, Justin Rayner, Pete Peters, and Ricky Ray. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell, your studio producer this evening Cody Jansen. So tomorrow, Oilers back at practice. Bob Stauffer will have Oilers now from noon to two, and of course we have a live edition of Inside Sports from six to eight. My name's Reed. I'll talk to you then. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.